right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn in your, in your Bibles in the New Testament to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. We're going to uh, spend the next little while going through this Gospel. I, I, um, I realized um, the last time I was actually preached through this Gospel was 20 years ago, okay? Uh, 20 years ago, and um, I was, uh, it was right after I started here, uh, there was one series I did when I first came, and that was through the letters to the seven churches, and then I started through the Gospel of John. Now, some of you were here then, uh, I'm sure you remember those messages, I don't, so uh, that's good. So this is all new material, in fact, I went through my records and looked at what I wrote, and I thought, I can't believe I wrote that. And uh, because my understanding has gotten so much greater with this gospel since that time. So we're going to look at this gospel. Why? Well, I've got a couple things I want to say here. Actually, right now, we're, we're in a time of crisis. Now, you say, our church? We're in a time of crisis? No, no, I'm not talking about our ch church organization, our church, us as a church family. But... I am talking about Christianity in North America. So that's my first point. Christianity in North America seems lost. What do you mean by that, George? Well, right now, um, there is a major downturn and decline in most denominations and most churches in North America. People are just flat out leaving. Some of them are young people. And there's a lot of reasons, a lot of studies as to why that's going on, okay? So that's on one hand. The other hand is, is that there, there's also some extremism that's showing up in the church. So there's the QAnon, QAnon uh, situation that has emerged here in the last couple of years uh, that is portraying itself as being Christian-based, but it has no basis in the Bible. It's actually a heretical view. Some people have embraced that. And why would they do that? Well, they're looking for a savior. But we have a savior. It's kind of like with the folks who are leaving the church right now. Something has happened in our churches, and we seem lost. And I can understand it. Like, for instance, with the people leaving. If, if all you had to think about with Christianity was a set of beliefs and a worship service to attend, then... People, what more is there? Because it's not satisfying. And so the church has been struggling with this for a long time, and so we've changed our services, we've, we've done different things, trying to find the thing to, to appeal to people. Well, the problem is it's not working. So you have all kinds of extreme things that are happening now. And it's like the church has lost its way. So what do we do about it? Well, that's my second point. The solution is found in getting to truly know who Jesus is. That's what the solution is. The solution is finding out who Jesus really is. Because, you know, if you understand who he is and the Savior that he is and his plan for the world and you understand the reality of who he is, you don't need to go looking somewhere else for a savior, bottom line. Or 
when you see people who are leaving the church because church means nothing to them, they're actually dissatisfied or not happy with what the church is portraying. And to be honest with you, church is portraying a moral code. It's like we've become the moral police of the world. They're missing it. What are they missing? Because the basis of our faith, can I be honest with you? The basis of your faith is not a set of doctrine. The basis of your faith is a person who is alive. And that's Jesus. Did you understand what I'm saying? And that's Jesus. And so with this series, in fact, I've entitled this series that we're going to do, we're, we want to meet Jesus. It's called Meeting Jesus, Understanding Who He Is. Now, why the Gospel of John? Why not any of the other three Gospels? I think John is actually probably the best Gospel for us to look at, simply because of its setting. What do you mean its setting? Well, the way it was written. First of all, it was written A.D. 90. So it's one of the last documents that was written in our New Testament. It was written by the last apostle who was alive, John. So when it was written, it was probably about 60 years after Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and ascended to heaven. At this point in history, there are very few, very few people, if any, left who saw Jesus alive. The church now is beginning to make a transition away from being primarily Jewish to being primarily Gentile. Do you know what a Gentile is? Just look around the room. We're all Gentiles here. And with that, he is now trying to help them to understand who Jesus is and the reality of him. And how he starts out this letter is actually quite interesting too because when you look at the other Gospels, the other Gospels kind of set the setting for you. You're in Palestine. You're in Israel at the time or in Galilee. And here's Jesus and here's what's going on. That's not how he, that's not how he starts this letter. He starts this letter out almost with a theological perspective of who Jesus really is. And that's what we're going to look at today. He starts out and he refers to Jesus with a word. Well, it's the word. What does that mean? Well, the concept at that time among the Jews and the Gentiles, it was the essence of everything. The reality of why all things exist. The logos. And he's referring to Jesus. He's wanting us to understand who is this Jesus? Because I think in a lot of ways, let's be honest, I think we've forgotten who Jesus is. We've made Jesus, and I'm not, and I'm not opposed to this, because Jesus is one who sticks closer than a friend to you. He's, close, he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is an intimacy that comes with Christ, and yes, we understand that, but we have to remember that yes, that's true, but there is still the ultimate reality of who we're dealing with here. He's Lord. He's God. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at the first five verses today of John chapter 1, 
And we're going to get what I'm calling, and our message is entitled today, the first introduction. You and I are going to get introduced to who Jesus is, okay? And the reality of who he is. Look with me, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. All right, so from these five verses, here's what we're going to do. We're going to basically divide it up into two sections. We're going to look, first of all, verses 1 to 3, and we're going to see that there's more to him. Look, he's more than the babe in the manger. He's more than the guy hanging on a cross. He's more than the one who walked on the sea or calmed the sea or fed thousands. He's more than the one who was brutalized when he was taken by the Romans. He's more than just your buddy. Look, I, let's, can we lose that? Jesus isn't my buddy. Okay? He's God. And we need to understand that. But yes, you have a relationship. But that's what's so wonderful about Christianity is that you get to have a relationship with the living God. So we're going to see that there's more to him. And then we're going to see what his impact is. Just in these couple of verses, he's going to, make it, going to show us the impact of who Jesus is. Okay? So let's take a look. First thing I want you to see here is that Jesus has always existed. That's the first thing that he points out. He points out the eternality of God with the statement, in the beginning was the word. What does he mean in the beginning? Well, in the beginning of everything. If there was a point where everything began, he was there. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus has always existed. Period. We need to grasp that. He is the eternal God. He didn't just begin because he was born of Mary in Bethlehem. He existed before that. He's always existed. In the beginning was the Word. Here's the second thing I want you to see. And the Word was with God. Now here's the second point I want you to see. And that is, is that Jesus has always been in relationship with God. What we're seeing here is a glimpse of what we know doctrinally is called the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here we see Jesus, the Word, has been with God from the beginning. So that concept of being with is the whole concept of relationship. He's always existed and he was with God. There's an intimacy there with him. Now, when you think about that, can I be honest with you? That makes some of the other passages of the scripture feel so much more comforting to me. Why? So when I see that he's my intercessor, that he's praying for me, that he's advocating for me, 
That means a lot. Why? Because the one who's advocating with God the Father is the one who has what? A relationship with him. Do you know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you can go ask anybody for anything, but you're going to seek out the one who knows someone who will be your intermediary to, to talk to the one that you're trying to get someone from. And that guy will say, yeah, yeah, go ahead and do that for him. I know him. I can vouch for him. That's what Jesus does for us. How's that possible? Because he's always been with the Father from the beginning. He's always been in relationship with him. See, did you understand what I'm saying? You go to the Father in prayer because Jesus gives you that access. Here's the third thing. And this is what's so powerful that we sometimes miss. And the word was God. He's not just been there from the beginning. He's not just in a relationship with God. He's God. Jesus is God. This is what blows your mind. He's not some pathetic figure from history who ended up getting crucified. He's not just some moral, good moral teacher who had a bunch of teachings to give. He's not just some miracle worker or whatever else is said about him. He's God in human flesh. You're going to see here in, in just a few weeks, he's going to be interacting, calling his disciples. He's going to see one of them sitting under a tree, and he goes up, and, and he says, oh, there's so-and-so. And the guy says, how do you know me? Well, I saw you under the tree. How did he see him? Because he's God. And he can see him wherever he is. This is what's so wonderful. See, if you just stop with these three things. Stop with these three things. Think about it. He's always existed. He's in relationship with God. He's God. And you have a relationship with him. Did you let that sink in? You, the believer, who put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ at some point in your life, entered into a relationship with him. Christianity is more than just a worship service, folks. It's more than just a set of doctrine. It's more than a belief system. It's a person. You entered into a relationship with a living, divine person, Jesus, who is God. That's what's so awesome, isn't it? That's what blows your mind. That's what blows my mind to think I'm coming into the presence of God who, yes, he knows everything else that's going on. Yes, he's aware of the situation in the Middle East. Yes, he's aware of the pandemic and uh, he's aware of the economic crisis and all the stuff that's going on. But he's got time for who? You. Me. And your crisis and your situation is just as important to him as all those other things. 
He's God. Here's the other thing. It's just not just that he's God. He points out one more thing here. Look with me at verse 2 and 3. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing has, was made that was made. What is this? Here's what he's saying. Jesus is the creator. He's the creator. So here you are, you're going through your problem, and, and you wrestle with doubts. You know what I'm saying? You wrestle with doubt. Will God show up for me in my problem? Can God handle this situation I'm going through? Can God give, do what I need him to do? Can God do it? Can God, is, is God able? Yeah. Because everything that exists is because of him. He created this world. And if he could create this world, he can handle your problem. Guide you through your problem. Give you wisdom through the problem. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So when you think about, well, you know, I have wisdom to get through this. God, can you give me wisdom? Yeah, he can give you wisdom. If he has wisdom to design this world and all of the intricacies of this world and animal life and human life and everything... Is it not possible that he could give you wisdom to handle your difficulty? The thing that you're struggling with? This is, he, there's more to Jesus than he's my buddy. This is the creator God who loves us. Let's make it a little bit more personal. Who loves you? Who is aware of what's going on in your life? Who's with you? So notice now his impact. This is where <laughs> I kind of enjoyed the fact that they did that third song, Thrive. I think it kind of fits with what we're going to look at here in verse 4, because in verse 4 it says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life. In him was life. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the first thing I want you to see under his impact. True life is found in Jesus. True life is found in Jesus. It's very interesting to me because we all are on this journey. Some of us are at different levels on this journey, but we're all on the same journey. We want to find purpose for our lives. We want to find meaning for our lives. We want to strive for something. We want something so much more. And isn't it interesting that the things that we think that will bring us the satisfaction don't. So, okay, so you're a hunter, and you hunt until you're, you're what are you looking for? You're looking for that buck with that nice rack and then, you know what happens that one year? You get it. And you spend money making it into an ornament for your living room. So you can tell others about it, right? But then have you noticed that as soon as you hang it on the wall and you're, you're, the anticipation is there, there it is, and you tell people, but there's still that emptiness there that, that what you thought would bring you life didn't bring you life. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm talking about hunting, but it could be anything. It could be the job. If I got that promotion, if I got that salary level, if I, if I got kids, if I had grandkids, or if, and then this, and if I could do this, if I could get married, if I could find the right person, if I could find the perfect cheeseburger, then I'll be satisfied, then I'll have life. It's never the same. It's kind of like a drug addict who's chasing the dragon, is what they used to say in the opium years long ago in the 1800s, that the addiction of opium, what drove them is where they were chasing the dragon, what it was. They were trying to get that first high again. But it was never the same again. And so they were caught in this endless cycle of trying to find that again. Well, because nothing, let's be honest, folks, nothing brings true satisfaction. Nothing brings true life. Except one. Who is true life? And John says it this way, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. He's the true life. You know, it disturbs me when, when I see that people are walking away from the faith. So it's like, I mean, I'm constantly reading in the paper about somebody or some journal or something I'm reading about this guy's deconstructing his faith. What does that mean? Well, somebody, when they say deconstruction, they're talking about people who are just walking away from Christianity. And when I read what they're talking about, look, they're walking away from a system. I haven't read anybody talking about they're walking away from Jesus. They're walking away from the system. The system is what turned their stomachs. The system is what they found empty. The system is what they no longer believe in. And yeah, the system is empty. That's because... They had a misunderstanding of what Christianity was. Christianity is life in Jesus. It's life in the relationship. It's the reality of Jesus. See, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is Jesus. So true life is found in him. But see, there's a problem with that because you would say, okay, well, everybody understands who Jesus is, then everything will be okay. Well, notice what he says here. Verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. What, what's the point? Here's, here's the other aspect of the impact. Sadly, the world does not understand who Jesus is. I would probably add to that, they can't. Paul tells us later in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the God of this world has blinded their eyes to the truth, to the light of the gospel. That's why they can't comprehend. Have you ever noticed that? You, you sit there and you talk with somebody that you know, maybe it's a family member, somebody that you work with, and you just are telling them about Jesus and how real Jesus is, and, and they just don't see it. 
Have you ever met somebody who just doesn't see it? I mean, you, you even brought them some kind of tape for them to watch or, or said, listen to this guy or listen to my preacher. And, 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 and you have tried to get them to understand, but they just don't see it. How's it possible? I remember years ago listening to, I used to listen to NPR a lot in the afternoon and they had a lawyer on there who read who basically said he read the entire bible and i believe him he read the entire bible but it made no sense to him why he couldn't see it so here i am i can read the bible and it makes sense to me how how, do, how is that possible because god gave me an understanding he gives all believers an understanding he opens their mind and their eyes to the truth they can't see it. They don't comprehend it. The world doesn't understand who Jesus is. In fact, have you ever heard them talk about church? They're not talking about church in terms of Jesus. They're talking about church in terms of what? A moralism. A belief system. A service. See, this is why we are going through the gospel. Because what my hope is and my prayer is is that as we begin this study, as we see Jesus interacting at a wedding, as we see Jesus interacting with the people that he meets with, as we even see him interacting negatively with religious people, You will begin to understand who he is. And you'll begin to understand, hopefully, the relationship that you have with him. And hopefully, he will become real to you. And that, my friends, is what Christianity is about. It's about Jesus and his love for you. And for me, let me pray for you.